Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grabovich. The next and very key step is to remind yourself your partner is not evil. (laughs) Mm. Mm. I like that. Yeah. She's a good person. If she doesn't agree with you, she probably has a valid point. It's one of the most profound things I learned from the marriage research. When a couple disagrees, they almost always both have a valid point. But even the dirty sock on the floor if you if you calm down and think about it, it wasn't right for me to leave the dirty sock on the floor. But from my wife's like, but he worked 12 hours that day. He was tired when he came home, you know, so even the dirty sock on the floor has a kind of a valid point behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can see the valid point in the other person's point of view. So the key to great conversation is believe you're just to believe you're both good people and you both have valid points by most of us are good people. Um, So just using that approach to conversation, we're two good people here, we both have valid points. Now let's find a win-win solution. So my wife and I made a commitment, if we ever disagree on anything, we have to find a win-win solution, something we can both, you know, find a creative solution we can both be happy about. So a lot of couples don't do enough brainstorming in in marriage. So setting a time, it's a miracle, by the way, I call it time plus deadline. Let's talk later doesn't focus my thinking. Let's talk Wednesday at 9 p.m., even though it's several days away. Okay, I did make a promise. It's a hard deadline. I need to be ready. So Mm -hmm. I go through this step by step, you know, before talking to my wife. Oh, one other key point, maybe two. So Dr. Gottman, this great marriage researcher mm-hmm. serving couples argue over the years, discovered there's a right way to say it and a wrong way to say it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so we adopted in our marriage the rule, zero criticism. There's always a constructive way to make your point. And so we adopted the rule of always being constructive. And uh, but also we had adopted a rule to always be cheerful, to always be cheerful when we talk. Um, so if it's a if it's a set time, I can get in the zone. If my right. wife talks to me right now, you know, I might be harried and thinking about something else and I could be a little short with her. But if we set a time to talk, I can come, you know, open minded, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Here's what I really here's why this is important to me. Um but I'm cheerful and gentle and it's amazing what a great conversation you could have when you're open-minded. Yeah. So with practice, my wife and I learned no matter how angry we are at each other right now, Mm -hmm. let's give ourselves a chance to calm down and think. We'll remember we're two good people. We'll think of a, of a solution that it doesn't become a recurring issue, whatever it is. And, um, and we're going to have a good conversation. So, we actually, for us, it's a time of hope. The first times were times of tension, but once we had practice with this approach, we love the waiting period. It's a time of hope because we know we're going to have a good conversation at the end of it. 
That's so good. That's so good. Um, I, I, I do like that whole idea that like, you know, when it's something is scheduled, you're also preparing uh, how you're going to be able to live up to the, the rules. Because as you were saying that, like, I was thinking, well, geez, always be cheerful. Don't be critical. I mean, like, you have to really in, be very intentional to do that. And it's hard for to do that all the time, right? I mean, exactly. you're, you're going to snap here and there, right? I mean, so it to be able to realize that, okay, when I show up for this, these are the guidelines that we follow. Um, I think that that, that just, uh, I guess, psychologically, it, it just has you ready to be able to be more embracing those guidelines. So that's such such great um, words of wisdom. I'm thinking about that, how this can also, in some ways, hopefully translate with other relationships too. I mean, maybe Absolutely. even worker relationships, or um, I mean, I know that we all have, we can, many of us can struggle with having a demanding boss and whatnot, and who we may not be able to say, hey, can we talk at this time about this? They might wanna talk right then and there, and you really don't have any other choice of what to do. Um, so I, 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 do you ever, is that something that ever comes up in your, uh, in your, in your counseling with how, like you, you have so much agency over your own relationship, but how does someone have more agency over other relationships? I mean, are they able to do that? So first, just to share, I'll have two fun stories to share. So, uh, one is, so getting married in the Catholic church, you're required to do this marriage prep program mm -hmm. so this 77 year old episcopalian calls me up uh peter he's marrying a catholic a 61 year old catholic woman so he calls me up complaining they're making me take pre-cane i'm 77 years old i'm marrying a 61 year old woman mm -hmm. turns out he was happily married for 48 years uh to his first wife who passed away mm -hmm. So he was really complaining that he had to take this marriage preparation program. By the way, at the time I was barely married, he was actually one of the first couples that I was meeting. So yeah. I was like, what am I going to teach a 77 year old man who was happily married for 48 years? Yeah. Uh, so I told him, I said, look, I can't waive the requirement, but I'll make it easy for you. You name the time, you name the place, I'll come to you. So it turns out he owned a company in, in New York City. So can you come to our company headquarters on Park Avenue for lunch on Saturday? Hmm. Like, okay, you know. Um, so here this guy thought he had nothing to learn. We sit down and he goes to me, Peter, we could really use that timeout advice in our relationship. So it was clearly a new idea for him. The following Monday, he sent me an email, Peter, I just want to thank you again for coming to our office. I just wanted to share with you. I sent out a company wide memorandum that timeouts are now company policies. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I mean, how many how many issues would be alleviated at work if, if that was not yeah. actually more of a company policy for places? I mean, ah, yeah, so good. And so good. I had a, a guy call me up the very day next day after I met him. He was so excited to tell me timeouts aren't just for romantic relationship. I was about to scream at my employee, but um, remembered your timeout advice. And he did make a mistake, but I allowed myself to cool down. And then we sat down later and actually had a really good conversation about it. Peter, I would have permanently damaged that relationship if I had talked to him in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. so that timeout advice. Okay, Peter. So 
What, what are the steps and, and, and how did you eventually come to the point where you thought, okay, it's these three, this is really it. So number one. But perhaps the most popular marriage advice out there is that couples should have date night. And I'm not against date night, but having a date night is not the most important thing in marriage. The concept of date night implies that couples should have a bigger connection once a week, once every two weeks. Some couples say date night is once a month. Um, but bigger connections every now and then are helpful, but it's not the most important marriage advice. The research on marriage is surprising, by the way. I was very surprised to read the research and to learn exactly what makes marriage work. Mm -hmm. So the most important marriage advice is to have small, positive connections every single day. I have, I have my number one advice, but we'll end with my A number one advice. So my number one advice is beginning tomorrow, start every day of your life together with a small, positive connection, but not a micro connection. I always kiss my wife goodbye. Okay, mm -hmm. that's good, but that's way too quick. You're not connecting with a quick kiss. So the research is if you can stop for two minutes and actually look at each other uh, yeah. by so this is a weird thing to say but so many marriages would be so much happier if couples actually looked at each other amazing, uh, amazing. So simple. Sound, such a simple thing i lived with my wife early in our marriage i was not looking at her you know i was giving her quick waves quick kisses because uh, you were looking at, at what you're reading or watching tv like what was what was it or, always doing something. You have to stop and look at each other. This is like the world's simplest advice, but stop and look at each other. Hmm. But this world we live in, we're so fast paced, you know, rushing to get out the door. Um, this revolutionized our marriage to have a two minute connection every morning where we actually just stop and look at each other. Um, my A number one advice is, I'll read it off my card right now, over time, how you greet each other sets the tone for your marriage and family life. Make a commitment to greet each other with joy each and every time you reunite, whether you feel like it or not. As we've already mentioned, you can't be cheerful 24 hours a day. So one of my, the single best discipline I've developed in marriage is to stop before I open the door. Peter, you're about to greet your wife. You're about to greet your kids. You don't have to be cheerful the whole night just these next two minutes um yeah but stop and actually have a genuine connection so my wife and i developed the ritual of of dancing with each other at the moment of reunion i'm holding her close it's affectionate mm -hmm. but i i overcame my irish aversion to affection yeah. <laughs> through the ritual of daily dancing with my wife but the first time I did that, I was shocked by the purity of connection we experienced. It was like, there was no distraction. I'm holding her close. How was your day? But as she tells me about her day, it's like, I can feel her mood. You know, I can mm -hmm. pick up all those subtle signals, mm -hmm. but end the, day, end the day with a small positive connection. Hey, thanks for watching the kids while I was working last night. Hey, thank you for working last night. Um, mm -hmm. So we have three crucial moments of the day, how the day starts, how you greet and how the day ends. And I do urge couples to have two minute rituals so that they are fully present to each other at those key moments. 
Um, and it's just amazing. So you're, you're, I actually started to volunteer more. I, I can see you're tired. Let me make dinner, you know, Hey, can see you're upset about something. Let's sit down and talk about it. Yeah. Early in marriage, I wouldn't have done that because I didn't slow down enough to look at my wife. Yeah. And I mean, and your marriage hasn't been like all like, you know, walk in the park, right? I mean, so, so in moments of real like challenge, I mean, how have you seen these three recommendations really get you Good. through? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, I should say two things. One is we've been challenged continually throughout our marriage by having to earn an income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it's always lousy that has to work that yeah. way. So, and our work hours are often not in sync. Um, there are whole stretches of marriage where I got home after my wife had already gone to bed. Uh, so one thing I advocate is that couples have plan B rituals. So my wife and I started dancing via FaceTime as an example, hmm. what wouldn't physically be together. So, mm -hmm. so I do urge just to share for, for many people listening that it's a lot of us struggle with even seeing each other awake, um, given how busy we can get. But we've definitely been through some really difficult times. We had four years of infertility, which was devastating. Mm. You know, my wife was just so depressed. Um, I was dealing with my own disappointment. So the fact that it's intentional, these rituals are intentional. Plus, I remind myself of my wedding vows. Peter, you made a promise before God, family, and friends to love your wife in good times and in bad. This is a bad time. This is the time to keep that promise that you made. Uh, so often before I opened the door during those four years of infertility, I would actually remind myself of my wedding vows, believe it or not. Hmm. Uh, it did not come natural to want to dance with my wife when we were facing devastation as a couple. Um, so having that commitment to love in good times and in bad, but as I tell my couples, you need a plan. I mean, if I say I'm going to love my wife when we hit a bad time, I'm probably not going to love her. But if I have a practical plan to love her when we hit a bad time, I'm going to dance with you whether I feel like it or not. Um, that you can actually do. And it's a it's a simple plan. But we are not Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. So you don't right, even have to, right, right. you know, and you're not and you're not using music or are you not using music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did give a talk at a church last year, and this this woman, seemingly in her 60s, uh, gets up with her husband sitting next to her and goes, you're advocating that I be nice to my husband every day. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like the girl. She was a fun woman, but that was her being honest. I can't do that. So my answer to her was, do you brush your teeth every morning? And she said, yes. So I said to her, if you could brush your teeth every morning, you could be nice to your husband every morning. It's the same concept. Mm -hmm. Good marriage habits are the key to a good marriage. Yeah. Habits, rituals, traditions, systems. The calendar is a system. Yeah. So, so when times get tough, you have a plan in place that's simple, and you have even a system of accountability in place you know, to make sure you're like the calendars for us as a system of accountability. 
So we've been able to get through some really difficult stretches thanks to this advice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so simple. I mean, I don't think anyone would think of it as being like un, unattainable on, on any yeah. level. I mean, if anything, if you're going through a rough time, it's just worth trying and just seeing where things go, right? I mean, uh, you don't lose anything. You don't lose anything in trying. Um, so maybe to just uh, you know finish this up. I mean, you mentioned about uh, three spiritual practices. I'm really curious about those because I don't think I even know what those are from our conversation. So I, I really want to learn. What are these three spiritual practices? Because these are not on your business card. Yeah, <laughs> so. Right. I'll have to get another business card. So <laughs> <laughs> what's, by the way, what's very powerful when I meet with couples is we start out with this practical approach and couples really buy into it. They're like, wow, this works. We can see how it's going to work. Um, couples are often quite excited about it. Then we get into the deeper look at marriage so here's the three points that I focus on, and I sometimes do it in different order, but my number one advice is over time, how you greet each other sets the tone for your marriage and family life. So I share with couples that the Bible, from my reading of modern day psychological research, the Bible begins with the secret to a happy marriage. So I read John Paul II's Theology of the Body, which started out with his kind of interpretation of by one of my favorite words in the English language, pre-lapsarian. Wow, so, yes. Pre-lapsarian man, like, whoa, mm -hmm. meet someone who knows that word. That's a, <laughs> so before the fall, man before the fall. Uh, so Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, pre-lapsarian man. So John Paul, the point of that is that this is how God intended us to live. So let's look at how Adam and Eve lived in the Bible. This is my way of, of teaching couples about, about this. So I say, hey, the Bible begins with the secret to happy marriage. The Bible begins with God creating the whole world by so many people are in love with their animals. Uh, one of my favorite stories is the couple that got love back by developing the ritual, top the dog. The, mm. wife was, the wife was complaining. The husband was more excited to see the dog than he was to see her. So the next day, the couple started barking at each other at the moment of reunion and, and like got the romance immediately back into their marriage. So I dance with my wife that that couple barks at each other at the moment of reunion. Pop the dog. <laughs> but the Bible literally begins with Adam topping the dog in the Garden of Eden. So so the Bible begins with Adam, with God creating the whole world and everything in it, including the animals. Mm hmm. God gives the whole world to Adam. Wouldn't you expect the Bible to begin with man thanking God? Um, but Adam is offered the whole world and Adam is unimpressed. Yeah. So, so God goes, what do you have to do to impress this man? He puts Adam back to sleep, takes the rib out of his side, creates his wife Eve for him, and he wakes Adam up a second time. So one message of the story of Adam and Eve is, is couples should value each other more than the entire world. That's such, a, that, that's such a profound lesson from, from the story that you don't, they, yeah. that I think he just gets glossed over. Great, agreed. Yeah. Well, wait till, this, wait till this next thing I'm about to share with you. <laughs> uh, so that's a high standard. I tell couples, that's a high standard, you know, that you should value each other more 
than the whole world. And I'm very open with my couples. I don't always live up to that standard, of course. I get caught up in all kinds of things. Right. But at least, at least I'm now remembering that's the standard. I should be valuing my wife more than we bought a house and I got so obsessed with painting the house. I actually forgot about the people who lived in the house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then I remembered the Adam and Eve story and I'm like, wait a second, what's more important, this paint job or the people who live here? Yeah. You know, and I, I need to, um, to really reprioritize. So I, that's to me a very profound point that you should value each other more than everything in the world. Mm -hmm. That's the measuring stick. Um, but then I share mm -hmm. that the Bible, so the Bible begins with Adam joyfully greeting Eve, and it's not a random story. So the point of it is God intended marriage to be joyful. That's the point of Adam greeting Eve with joy, is that God intended marriage to be joyful. Mm -hmm. That thought shocked me. I was like shocked to, yeah. to, to realize that marriage is supposed to be joyful. So John Paul II says the point of the Adam and Eve story is this is how God intended us for uh, us to live. At the time, I wanted to be good at marriage, which I interpreted to mean as long as we're not fighting, we're good. Um, mm. So for me, I thought peace should be normal in marriage. Peace should be normal in marriage. My friends were arguing that bickering is normal in marriage. And then I read from John Paul too that marriage is supposed to be joyful, that joy is normal in marriage. You should feel joyful to be a couple every single day. Mm. That was my road to Damascus moment. I literally felt like a lightning bolt had come out of the sky and struck me um, with that insight that marriage is supposed to be joyful. And my immediate reaction was, he's right. Marriage is supposed to be joyful. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I was hoping for peace. <laughs> yeah. So John Paul II elevated my sights that actually peace is not what I want in marriage. What I want is to joyfully live with my wife. So you should feel joyful every single day to be a couple. This is what I share with my, with my couples, that joy is normal. And if you don't feel joyful, it means you forgot how lucky you are you met each other. It means you're taking each other for granted. But couples really react well to this because they want that, you know, they want to feel that, that joy. So don't wait for joy. Couples should actively cultivate joy in marriage. Um, so I argue that couples should give each other the gift of a joyful marriage. So, so the Catholic faith, what happens on your wedding day? You make a gift of yourself to the other and you receive the gift. Um, so marriage is all about giving, but what should you give? So the gift of a joyful marriage, I urge couples to give each other the gift of a joyful marriage every single day of their married life for the rest of their married life. And then I tie it back to the marriage research. How can we do that? develop rituals, start your day on a joyful note. Mm -hmm. from, the research, from the research, how you start the day sets the tone for the day. Um, couples who start the day with a positive connection feel more positive the whole day. Um, if you always greet each other with joy, your spirits are just lifted as you're approaching home and you set a joyful tone for your, for your time together. So joy is normal. I mean, that was a revolutionary thought that's prelapsarian man in action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But I decided to embrace that. That's another high standard that marriage should be joyful. It doesn't mean my wife and I always feel joyful because we get we take our eye off the ball, we get busy with things. But we've now, I used to think peace was normal. If we ever bicker, we need to pay attention. Now I've come to believe that joy is normal. And if things start to get a little quiet, that's a problem. So just really quick, to, to, so in summary, then how, how do you just kind of, how do you bullet those three spiritual practices? Oh. We only got one of them, by the way. So oh, whoops. Okay. All right. I, I, I was, I was thinking, oh, how am I supposed to like kind of remember all these? Okay. Got so it. The three, the three marriages, there's yeah. the, the bickering marriage, the peaceful marriage, the joyful marriage. So that was one, three there. Okay. Um, so I'm, I urge couples to have a joyful marriage. That's point number one. And so point number two is, so John Paul II was a playwright, by the way, all future popes, I'm sorry. I was too busy to read all your writings. <laughs> and I, <laughs> so I am stuck on Pope John Paul II. Sorry, but, he, he had enough to uh, last a long yeah, time. So, yeah. I read over a thousand pages John Paul II wrote about marriage, but he was a playwright, a philosopher, a theologian, wrote over a thousand pages on marriage. Um, I share with uh, couples this handout, my two favorite pages out of a thousand. But the theme throughout John Paul II's writing is love is by its very nature creative. Your love is either creative or it is not love. Here's a sentence I read to couples. The bridegroom examines his bride attentively yeah. uh, as though in a creative loving restlessness to find all that is good and beautiful in her and that he desires for her. So we should be looking upon each other with a creative, loving restlessness to find the good in each other and to draw out the potential in each other. So what does it mean to love someone? So this is point number two. What does it mean to love someone? If you love someone, you build them up, you encourage them, you look for potential in them. Appreciation is good. I appreciate you for who you are, but in marriage, appreciation is not enough. We should be actively seeking to draw out potential in each other, to sometimes challenge each other. Um, that's a life well spent. As I told this couple last night, a lot of people say, it doesn't make sense to spend your whole life with one person. Um, marriage doesn't make any sense. Um, I say marriage does make sense if you're in a marriage where you're actively trying to build each other up and encourage each other and have a commitment to continue to grow throughout your marriage together. That's a creative love. Mm -hmm. The opposite of creative love is a critical love. Way too many couples restlessly look for the negative in each other. You didn't put the dishes in the sink, you know? Right. Um, so I tell couples, you need to make a choice. Are you gonna be a critic or are you gonna be creative? Um, and that's what makes, why would you wanna spend your whole life with one person? Well, if that person is building you up and encouraging you and helping you become a better person, you want to spend the rest of your life with that person. Yeah. All right. Number one. That's point number two. So now we're down to point number one. So marriage should be joyful. You should, joyful. Build, you should build each other up. And I, I do share with my couples this, this mountain image. Marriage is not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be a romantic walk through a beautiful garden. Marriage is much more like a challenging climb up a mountain. Um, so the purpose of marriage is not to enjoy life together. It's to challenge you to grow through life together, to grow as individuals, 
to grow together as a team. So these last two points are related. The previous point is the job of marriage is to encourage each other and build each other up. Mm-hmm. But this last point is the purpose of marriage is to challenge you to grow, to become less selfish, to become more loving. I thought I was a good guy and then I got married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I realized I have to be a better listener. I need to be more affectionate. But there are people that say you can't grow, you know, and 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 I say that's wrong because I've grown a lot in marriage. I'm a better listener today than I was. But in a sense, marriage and my wife gave me no choice. So I realized early in marriage, if we're going to be happy together, I need to get better at things. Um, Mm -hmm. My wife needed to get better at things. By the way, we still need to get better at things. As you master one challenge, another challenge has a way of Mm -hmm. of appearing. So let's grow through life together. Let's embrace the challenges. Let's get better with time. And then I put the Catholic twist on it. Um, But this is another one of those, like the Adam and Eve story. You've heard it a thousand times, but these things don't register with you. Like marriage is supposed to be joyful. That's part of the message. I mean, who heard that from the story of Adam and Eve? Um, But anyway, here's... A turning point in my life, it was reading uh, John Paul II's Theology of the Body, uh, where he said, we're made in the image and likeness of God. So I think it was John Paul II essentially asked the question, well, who's God then? (laughs) I mean, if we're made in the image of likeness of God, and we're supposed to model our lives on the example of God, who is God? So God is love. You know, God is the perfection of love, and God is the perfection of intimacy. God is the Holy Trinity. You know, the the love of the Father and the Son is so perfect, it brings forth the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So God is the perfect marriage and family, this Holy Trinity. So we're made in image and likeness of God, which means we're made in the image and likeness of the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to model our lives on, on that example. Um, I mean, that thought shocked me. Talk about a high standard. <laughs> We're supposed to model our marriage and family life on the example of the Holy Trinity. Uh, but this one took me five days to get my head around. Um, the joy one I immediately bought into, but base your marriage and family life on the example of the Holy Trinity. That took some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after five days, I said to myself, you know what? I like this idea. If we take this idea seriously, it means we're going to strive to be a perfect team in marriage be a perfect team we have to work on being perfect teammates so i have to work on myself to be a better person my wife needs to work on herself to be a better person we need to work on our connection and intimacy and teamwork um so for me marriage is this lifelong series of challenges um i do think marriage gets progressively more challenging as you go along but it's all designed to make us more perfect at love, to ex- to experience in this world, have a growing experience in this world of like the intimacy that God enjoys. So base your marriage on the example of the Holy Trinity. Um, that's, that's a powerful message. But then I share these practical bits of advice. It's all about how to do it. Schedule a conversation, have a more intimate connection. Mm-hmm. Have a calendar, be a great team every day. I share with couples after reflecting on this concept, we're made in image and likeness of God. 
the one thing I realized, I had compartmentalized my life. Today's a work day. Tomorrow's a work day. Sunday will be a marriage day. Um, well, the Holy Trinity is the Holy Trinity every day. <laughs> yeah. And it's the model. We need to be connected every day. Right. So we actually embraced the goal in our marriage. It's the daily rallying cry of our marriage. Let's strive to be a perfect team. Let's strive to be a perfect team. Yeah. The Holy Trinity is a perfect team every day. If we're made in that image and likeness, we should strive every day to be a perfect team. It's a high standard we know we're not going to live up to, but let's strive to, to live up to that standard. Yeah, Peter, I can't thank you enough for um, going through all these different practical steps. And you make it sound so easy, but it's it's also the way I'm thinking about it, too, is that, you know, in a certain sense, it should be easy because, uh, you know, once again, our lives are, are not our own. We didn't choose to be born here. And in a lot of ways, we don't even choose sometimes who we fall in love with. Right. I mean, it happens and and it happens for those of us who really believe that 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 God is actively willing our good, uh, then we know that we meet people because we're supposed to meet them and we're supposed to engage into relationships with them because we know that it will help us uh, be the best person that we can be. So if that's all the case, then really everything has already been given to us. We just have to say yes. And I think that these steps are really just saying yes to the gift. Absolutely. Yes to the gift of, 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 of your partner, the, to your spouse. Um, and, and I think that's very liberating because I think at times we feel as if like we have to make this work or yeah. we're the ones who are the masters of our own lives and we have to do things to make ourselves happy and successful yeah. and everything's gift, right? Yeah, so. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends.